It's awesome being with you guys, as always. You can take a seat. I'm really excited tonight to introduce some of you to a friend of mine you've never met. Others of you, you've known him for a long time. Um, Matt Curtis is here to share God's word with us. And Matt is someone I've gotten to be good friends with and a partner in ministry with for the last four and a half years. And he used to serve as the young adults pastor, but he is now leading the charge for one of our Hope campuses to Fuquay Verena. And that's one of the visions that God has given this community is that we want to go be where people are and bring the hope of the gospel to them and not just wait for them to come to us. And so we have these mission outposts around the triangle that we gather together as a community and we hear God's word, we encourage each other, we love one another, and then we send each other out to go and share the hope with more people. And you guys are a part of that as young adults. And Matt is leading the charge in Fuquay where he lives. He's our campus pastor there. So I'm going to invite him up. Matt, if you could come on up, man. We're so excited to have you back. And it, now I just get to give the mic to you and you get to have some fun. So... I've been on Duolingo for 118 days. This is called the La Mesa. Uh, well, hey, gang, I got to be honest with you. Um, I'm a little emotional. This is like a thing for me to come back in here. And I know I don't know a lot of you. Um, but even as Corey, I'm doing it right now. Even as Corey says, my friend, and we've been serving for four and a half years, uh, I will tell you, you got something in here. Uh, the spirit of that worship, the volume of your voices, like that was special for me to be a part of. Um, and one of the things you have in here is Corey. <sighs> Give me a second. Um, there's not an individual. There's not an individual that has shown me more about what my purpose is than him. Um, he came here, and honestly, I wasn't sure if I was going to like him or not. Uh, <laughs> And then we kind of endured some ministry things, but we also endured COVID together and all the things that our church has been through. And the whole time, Corey was always drawing people to Jesus. Um, and just the spirit of this room, I don't want to give credit to any man because it is God's work, but God's work mightily through that guy. And I just want you to know that. And I want him to know that. So good work. Praise God. Amen. Um, I still have chewing gum in my mouth, which is not appropriate, but uh, we'll fix that. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> it's well, I was going to put it under the table, but you know. Uh, well, look, if we don't know each other, my name is Matt. I um, am a married man. I have been married to Jillian the Gardener Curtis. Check it out on Instagram. It's quite the gag. Uh, for 11 years now, we have an eight and a six-year-old. Uh, Jillian is the fun one. She actually works next door at Grace Christian School. She just started doing that. She was a teacher in Texas. We moved here. She's a teacher again uh, this semester, and uh, it's been fun. This is how fun she is. My birthday was on Monday. I turned 41. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I tell this story not for that attention, but uh, to draw attention to my wife. She said a few weeks before my birthday, she... <laughs> She said, what do you want the theme to your birthday party to be? And I said, never in my life. I'll be 41 years old. Never in my life have I wanted a theme for my birthday. And that, like, destroyed her. <laughs> uh, she, and she went through the list. Last year, the theme of your birthday, I don't remember what it was, but she said it. Uh, the year before that, it was Hulk, the Incredible Hulk. And that's because I have a six- and eight-year-old boy who loves superheroes. It's not because I love the Hulk as a 41-year-old man. 
Uh, but she's a blast, and she's a fun one. But I, we kind of turned the tables uh, several years ago, about eight years ago. We moved here to Hope Community Church. Um, and it was kind of, you know, some people get called into the ministry, and God's hand is on them, and it's a very spiritual thing. This was an adventure for us. Uh, we were in South Texas. I was working uh, at a weird job in the oil field that I actually really enjoyed. Um, and I'd been doing ministry up until this point. I'd been in ministry. I'd worked in homeless ministry. I worked in church ministry and student ministry and kind of stepped away for a little bit and started working in the oil field. And uh, then we heard about this church through a friend of mine. And the, this statement, I think, is still true, uh, that God does stuff here through these people. Uh, God is moving amongst this church through all the things we've been through. And I was like, I kind of want to be a part of that because the job I was functioning in, uh, while I enjoyed it in the oil field, I spent a lot of time alone. I'm talking like a lot on a 12 to 14 hour day. I probably saw somebody two of those hours. Uh, And I was commuting a ton and making decent money and having a great time, but I was very much alone. And that's not good for me because I can disconnect from everything. Uh, I'm a, what's the word? Extrovert or introvert. I'm an introvert uh, by nature. And what happens is in my unhealth, I take that introversion to like a total disconnection. Uh, And what I found myself being is really disconnected from the Lord. I grew up in the church. I grew up uh, really kind of wanting to do things for God, wanting to work for God, wanting to bring people to a place of peace and help them however I can. Uh, And I wasn't really participating in that when I was working in the oil field. Um, So there was kind of this stirring. I actually went to Passion one year. We got any Passion people around here? You should go if you haven't been. I've been with some of you. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's one of those things uh, that has, is a significant part of my story because I remember sitting amongst however many people are there, there's thousands, uh, and we're all in the same spirit. We just had this devotion to Jesus is kicking down walls and coming after us, and like then there's this response of like, what are you going to do with your life? Uh, how are you going to respond to that pursuit of you? And uh, I was just deeply convicted that I wasn't doing enough for God. It's misguided. We'll kind of get back to that. But I really wanted to do something meaningful. Uh, And I had done meaningful things. I had worked in ministry. I had that experience. And here I was kind of, we had a one-year-old baby. He's probably six months, actually. And I was like, if I continue doing the thing I'm doing, I will teach this child uh, a work ethic. I'll teach him that I'm a provider. uh, And I won't even actually know him. Uh, And that's a problem for me. So a position came up for Hope Community Church. I never attended a weekend service. uh, And we sold our house, um, took a job in young adult ministry, and traveled 24 hours straight to move here, taking the only grandbaby, either for my parents or my in-laws, and just settled in here. And I would love to say, and that's whenever, like, I, this question about what my purpose in life is or what this meaningful thing was was totally answered. It wasn't, man. We rolled in here, and I was like, inst- not regret. I'm not going to use that word. But it was instant, like, where are we and what have I done to my family? Uh, my wife had never been this far from her parents. We had a baby. That was enough, man. It was a struggle. Uh, and all the while, i like, well, now we're doing things for God, so this is going to end up making sense. And there's often been just this constant, like, trying to figure out how can I 
have meaning? How can I bring purpose? And, and this question I don't think is unique. I don't know if you guys experience this. I'm 41 years old, and I'm still making that question on a regular basis. Am I doing the thing that God has designed me for? And just ask yourself that question. Like, what is your purpose? What is the thing that God has put you on this planet for? And I think in like our Western culture, we think that that is like a poignant riddle we have to solve. Like God's will is some kind of riddle that we have to, like he's tricking us and he's got things hidden around the corner and we have to resolve what this thing is and then we will find God's will or then we will find the purpose for our life. And I don't think that's true. Uh, That was my journey, but I don't think that's true. And I don't think that's what scripture tells us. Um, So here's what we're going to do tonight. I know you guys have been in Colossians chewing gum. That's nasty. Hold on. Folded. All right. I know you guys have been in Colossians. Uh, Anybody remember author of Colossians? Yell it out. We got Paul. Anybody remember where he was when he wrote the letter to the Colossians? Prison. Anybody know why he wrote the letter? To the church in Colossae. I think that's how you pronounce that. Any other other than just to the church? I'll give it to you. Did, did Paul know anybody at the church? He did not. He had no clue who anybody, he had never met any of them. He, while he was in prison, one of the leaders of this church came and visited, hey Joe, came and visited him in, uh, in prison and was telling him of all the great things the church in Calisai was doing. Am I saying that right, Corey? I still can't. I'm from Texas. Say it again. Say it again. Colossae. I'm not going to say that. Calisai. Uh, it's a problem with being Texan. You're like, I just say how it went. Um, so this, this leader from the church had come in and talked to Paul and told him about all the great things that are going. And then as he starts this letter, he's saying, man, I'm so grateful for you guys. He doesn't know them. It's kind of like an outsider coming in to communicate to you the great things that you're doing. And being appreciative of like this worship and the things that are happening at retreats and places like that. Like I feel like a little bit like that. Like there's this thing that is happening. Let me encourage you. Uh, And one of the things is he starts in chapter one. He's talking about the supremacy of Jesus. And if you ever need to pick me up or a way to start your day, you can start with Colossians. Colossians 1.16 and just throw through the end of that chapter. And you will know more about Jesus than you woke up with, Right. Uh, by him and through him, all things were created for his purposes. He is the Godhead. He is the head of the church, and we all have this part in this thing. And, and Paul's just saying, like, this is who Jesus is. And as you continue, as you continue to minister, as you continue to be ministered to, Jesus is the one. He is the solution. He is the purpose. This is the thing. And then he jumps into chapter 2, and there's kind of a little bit more of that, but he's saying, all right, so let's say you have, in, in here around this culture, we talk about be, having Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And chapter two is kind of like, all right, Jesus is your savior. What are you going to do to submit to him as your Lord? Where's your responsibility in that? And he starts talking about these practical ways that this church can be called into and continue to grow in understanding what it means to have purpose in being made new in Christ. So we're going to pick up in three. I got this Bible from the back. Uh, Before I read that, I want to do two things because we're going to do it real slow like. Um, My man, Nate just blasting off scripture right out, out of the big cranium. That was good stuff. I'm going to read this because I can't say Calisai right. Um, this is Hebrews 4, 
12, all right? You've probably heard this one. If not, it goes like this. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So with that in mind, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read Colossians 3 and a little bit of 4. Father, you are our God. God, I pray for transformation of our minds and our hearts. I pray that you would pierce through our soul. God, that we would be sharpened by the reading of your word. We'd be convicted. That we'd be challenged to not only understand Paul's intent for these words, God, but that we would respond in your spirit. That we would be made new. That we would put off the old, take on the new. God, may the meditations of our heart Come from you. We pray these things in your spirit and we say amen. All right, this is what I want you to do. I'm gonna, I want you to go on a little journey with me. So we kind of hit the, deb- the debrief about what's going on co- in Colossians. But I just want to change your posture right now. I'm going to read a little bit of text, and I'm not really going to stop. But this is the word of God that is sharper than any double-edged sword. And it pierces us, and it transforms us, and it changes us. So what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes. If you got stuff in your hand, I want you to put it on the floor. I want you to posture your hands as if they are open. And I just want you to soak in this text, all right? Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, here there is no Gentile. There is no Jew, no circumcised or uncircumcised, no barbarian, no Scythian, no slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. 
Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with the gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work it all out with your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, being thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim in clarity as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most Of every opportunity, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may also know how to answer everyone. When Paul is writing to the Colossians and he's speaking about the different purpose, the new creation, the new self, he's talking to a church that has a similar spirit as you guys. There's something stirring in them. And he's saying, now take off your old self. I know that there's things in this room that we come in and we just carry. Each and every one of us. There's brokenness. There's a call to worship and raise our hands. And there's hesitation. There's a guardedness. But in the spirit of the mission that is at hand, that there are people out there that do not have the hope we have. And they are not the enemies of us. They need to experience the peace of Christ. They need to experience this wholeness. So he's saying, put off your old self. And just to run through that stuff, we're talking about, he says what? Put to death sexual immorality, impurity, greed, lust, and which is all idolatry. Rid yourself of anger, rage, slander, and filthy language. Don't lie. So put on the new self. Step one, how do you find your purpose? Get rid of that stuff. Piece of cake, right? (laughs) Step two, put on the new self. And he writes, the new self is being renewed. There's not like this culmination. I promise you that. I'm 41 New self is still necessary. (laughs) You are new and being made new. If you're familiar with the term uh, sanctification, I say that one right? Okay. 
Uh, we are justified by faith in, in the cross, right? Justified by the work of the cross. But then there comes this other process, this sanctification process of being made new, where we think maybe we have it, and then we fall down. Uh, for my birthday, I let my kids watch a movie on a Monday. Not, that's, not our, that's not how we roll in Matt's house. Uh, that movie was Home Alone 2, because it's Christmas season, no matter what you think. Um, anybody, are you guys familiar with this? I'm going to describe a scene, and I don't want to like be talking to a dead room here. Anybody seen Home Alone 2? Please, somebody. My gosh. It might be better than the first. Definitely the best sequel ever made. Anyways, there's this scene in Home Alone 2. Kevin McAllister, who's like this little selfish twerp, is stuck in New York City. No family around. <laughs> He's got his dad's credit card. He stayed at like the nicest hotel in town. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, but he goes to this toy store, Duncan's toy store, and he's talking to this guy, uh, Mr. Duncan, and it's like this very, uh, I don't know, it's generous. We're talking about like the toy store owners giving all this money to these kids who don't have anything for Christmas, and Kevin's having like a come-to-Jesus kind of moment of like, oh, I'm so selfish here, take my $20 bill, and then the the store owner's like, oh, you see this Christmas tree over here? There's some turtle doves. Go grab it. It's an ornament. You could take that home. Then you can find somebody. Give one of those turtle doves to one of you. And we're watching this with my kids, and I'm like, if I'm standing in line behind this nonsense and that's going on, I am losing my mind. Um, that's Matt's old self. I am the most impatient person that I know. Like, I don't have the attention span to care that much about stuff. And that comes out in all kinds of different levels of bitterness, anger, and malice. Put off the old self. When we talk about our purpose, we are removing ourselves from the situation, from any scenario. And that's hard work to do because every single one of us has one initiative in this life, and it is us. It is, we are born into it. He talks about your earthly nature. That earthly nature is like self-preservation, self-success, it's self-centeredness. And everything that we are called to do is to take that stuff off and step into this new thing that is humility and gentleness and kindness. That is tough work that is lifelong stuff that can only be done when we are connected to the Spirit of God. I'm going to tell you... So my house is not that chaotic, uh, but over and over again, I'm the dishwasher in our house. Um, I mean, we have a dishwasher, but I also wash the dishes before they go in the dishwasher because it's part of the process. <clears throat> um, but like, there's little elements of bitterness that sneak into my heart whenever like, you know, the bowls are still on the table. Why didn't you guys take this stuff over here? And I'm doing the dishes because I want to serve my family and I'm serving my family with like the most malice there is. <laughs> Did you, like, I don't even know what that word means, but I'm telling you, I experience it while washing the dishes, and there's mac and cheese. You know, it's just, it's a mess. But like, uh, somebody recently said, I was talking to them about that, and the, the term that was said was, Matt, and this is a very gentle, not so gentle older man that uh, kind of mentors me, and he goes, Matt, you just need to shut up and serve your family. <laughs> uh, and that is hard work. There are things all around us. My man who was up here talking about the workplace and feeling like you're being backed in a corner. And what, what am I supposed to do here? Am I supposed to like stand on the promises of Jesus? Am I supposed to love my coworkers? Do those two things result in the same action that is necessary? Because I, sometimes I just don't know. Because it's unclear. But I know I'm supposed to love these individuals. And we're in a culture where things are tough. And lines are being drawn, 
And Christians are challenged in a bunch of different ways. And there's a clear call here to be gentle, to be kind, to be humble, to serve. Step two, put on the new self. Now, step three is my favorite part. There's a lot of text we just kind of experienced there, and I would encourage you to go back over it and meditate on it. I put that thing on uh, the Bible app and listened to it over and over and over and over and over again on a couple walks I went on in the last couple weeks. And uh, I'm going to consider that meditation. Um, and it was solid. And it has kind of formed a lot of my steps throughout that the, the last few days. Um, but this is the part that I think is the, really the most meaningful because we're people of action, right? I mean, it, that's kind of who we are as a culture is like, give me something to do. Um, and this is where we kind of find ourselves in a little bit of trouble. So I'm going to read it one more time in verse 2. After all this stuff, and he's coming from a wide range, right? He, he's very broad. So here's what you need to do, right? And he starts in this place where he says, Since then you have ra- you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand. And then he says, Set your minds on the things above, not earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. And then he goes into these very practical, specific things that start broad and then narrow down. Start broad with put to death your sexual immorality, impurity, lust, greed. Then he narrows it down and says, put to death uh, or rid yourself of the greed and malice and that type of stuff. Then he narrows it down even to like your household and says like, this is like every single one of us is either a child, a husband, a wife, uh, a master, slave, supervisor, boss, think that type of relationship. Uh, And he's just kind of narrowing it down. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband. Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh. Children, obey your parents in everything you do. Fathers, do not embitter your children. Sometimes those are like hot button topics because we see wives submit to your husbands and we're like, what you mean wives submit to your husbands? Let me tell you something. I married a woman who once I told her not to bite her nails and I thought she was going to kill me. Uh, I don't tell my, I don't, you know, that whole submitting thing. These are examples, like real-world examples that we can relate to, and it's honestly the heart of Jesus. It's the way that we are supposed to be seeing and serving other people. Uh, I truly believe, so when he says, wives submit, to yourselves to, uh, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, husbands love your wives, I think he's speaking to the antithesis of our nature. Because I think our nature is wives, it's very difficult to submit to somebody. And honestly, men, I think that's what we do. I think men are looking for someone to follow. And let me tell you, ladies, being asked to submit to a man who is not in relationship with Jesus, who is not willing to sacrifice and serve you the way Christ served the church and put himself on a cross, get rid of him. You can snap that. And let me tell you, fellas, there is an example It is Jesus. It is a tough walk. You cannot do it alone. You have to have men around you. You need older men around you. You need men who will walk in that with you. Because, I mean, or you'll be bitter mat washing the dishes. (laughs) Children, obey your parents. This is why I say it's the antithesis of the nature. Children, obey your parents. I mean, you guys don't have kids. Anybody have kids? All right, you guys don't have kids. You've all been kids. How well did that go? Here's the big, the big finisher. 
This is the action step. We're looking for action. How do we do these things? Sure, we can uh, put to death our immorality and impurity and all that stuff. That's tough work. Okay, sure, we could do that. In the spirit of Jesus, we can. Uh, We can... What do you say? Put off? Is that what it was? Put off the malice and the anger and the hate, all right? That takes hard work and a counselor sometimes. That's okay. We got things to work through. This is the actual action step. Those things are broad and specific. He walks into the practical, and then he says, devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful, pray for us too, that God may open a door for a message so that when we proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Uh, Sometimes when we talk about prayer, when we think about prayer, uh, we think, oh, yeah, I, need, I could pray about that, or I need to pray about that, or anybody ever been in the, uh, yeah, I'll pray for you, and it doesn't happen again. Um, we have this strength, and maybe it's just me, honestly, it could be me. Um, there's been growth in these things for me, but the prayer thing sometimes gets treated as like this external thing. Like we treat prayer as if it's just a necessity to whatever the essential action step actually is. Um, my man Tony Hageman said this to me not that long ago, and it hit, like, if I need to tattoo it on something, but it is, like, I'm not a guy who's like, hey, you need to write this down, it's very important, but since somebody else said it, I'm going to tell you, write this down. Uh, we treat prayer as a substitute for action. In reality, prayer is the action for which there is no substitute. So on this journey where we're looking for whatever our purpose is and we have these practical things, take off the old self, put on the new, be devoted to prayer. Here's the action step for tonight. Be devoted to prayer. And that can look like a bunch of different things. I'm going to tell you I was at the uh, Apex campus the weekend. A bunch of you were at the retreat. Retreat? Who was at the retreat? Hey! good times. Uh, I heard great things. I was at Apex Campus one morning, uh, the morning y'all were out there, and I ran into these two ladies. Uh, One of them had a real hard time walking, uh, and the other was like kind of a busybody, but they were both there to pray. And specifically, they were there to pray for you. And there's this little room at the Apex Campus. It might be called the prayer room, but it's a very small room. And I went in there with these women. I'd never met them before. I heard they, was, they were going in there to pray. I was like, can I join you? Uh, and I'm going to tell you, listening to the prayers of these other women who I had no relationship with, I don't know if they knew any single one of your names, but they were praying for you. They prayed fiercely. They prayed for your hearts. They prayed for, in that moment, 845 or whatever time it was, on that Sunday morning, they prayed that there would be uh, chains broken. They prayed that there would be freedom and healing and assurance that you're not alone, that Jesus sees you and he loves you. And while you were yet sinners, uh, Christ died for you and that you can be made new. And just listening to their words and their hearts, I was drawn so much deeper into like, man, my prayer life is just not there. I don't know that I'm devoted to prayer. I'm devoted to the possibility of prayer. I'm devoted to the necessity of it, 
But the call to action is be devoted to prayer. What does that look like? That means pray with people. Pray with others. Find somebody that's in a different stage of life than you, that's two, three decades older than you, and sit with them and pray with them. And just, and just shut your mouth and let them roll. Let them burn it down. Let them take it to the Lord and you just take it in and just observe what is happening. Even the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. And he laid it out and it's simple and it's a conversation. But the things that happen when people are praying and we're learning from what that looks like. If we are ever going to take the spirit that we have in here and move the spirit out there. As Corey talks about like the vision of the church is to take the, the love and the hope that we have inside the church and move it. Move it outside the walls of any building. Move it into the cubicles that we work in and the team's calls that we're on and the school classrooms that we're in, and that's where the mission field is. The mission field, while it's there in Nicaragua and it's there in India, the mission field is right here and it's outside these walls. And if we're devoted to prayer and if we're taking, putting off, putting to death our impurity and our greed and our idolatry and we are taking off the old self and our malice and our hate and our anger, then we're not looking at them as enemies, but we're looking at them as being made in the image of God and need to know that they're made in the image of God and need to know that there is a hope that we have in Jesus. Because the weight of the world is heavy on everyone and we have the freedom of wearing a t-shirt that says free and light. And we need to just carry that with us. So we have to be devoted to prayer. We have to pray for those who aren't here, for those that don't know that they have hope. We have to pray for opportunities to see them the way Jesus sees them. Because every single one of these elements where he's saying, wives submit to your husbands and husbands serve your wives and don't speak to them harshly and children. Like these are things that Jesus has done. He met the woman at the well, saw her sin, spoke to her truth, and loved her and accepted her fully and completely. And every one of us in this room, if we have saving faith in Jesus, we've had that conversation. And we sing the song about, I don't know the lyrics, man, I really don't. This overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. What's the, where's Nate at? Where's the kick down walls line? Where's he at? My man, what's the line? The kick down the walls. There's no shadow you won't, no mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There it is. There it is. Technology. There's no shadow you won't, I mean, this is not scripture. This is a word from the word, though. So there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Keep going. I'm waiting. There's no wall you won't knock down, kick down, no lie you won't tear down coming after me. Like that same energy is the energy we should have for them to get them to him. And we can't do that if we're not praying. And we can't do that if we're not submitting ourselves. Like it's great that Jesus is our Savior. Are we submitting ourselves to him as our Lord? And this is the thing he has told us to do. Devote yourselves to prayer. Even in his own prayer, he devoted himself to prayer. And then he asked, he asked this church, keep praying for me too. Paul, St. Paul, keep praying for me so I can communicate this clearly the way it needs to be communicated so that more people would know. Be salt and light. Be wise in your conversations with outsiders. We can't start fights. We can't engage in fights. We can only come in, serve, and love, and put off the anger, the malice, and those things, and show love.
do everything that we can to show the world that they are loved by God. John 13, is it John 13? John 13 maybe says, um, Jesus says that the world will know that we are his disciples by the way we love each other. Do you notice that all of this text is written to Christians, written to the church? Forgive each other, all that stuff. Like that's, Those are internal relationships. The more we figure that out in this environment, the more we carry it out in that environment. And those are hard things because that is not what's going on out there. There's division. There's distraction. There's disunity. We have to prioritize the well-being of one another and the purpose that we have in seeking after them. I'm gonna, this is the last thing I think I'm going to say. One of my favorite parts of being part of the young adult ministry we've already experienced. It's, it's the energy in the room. It's the hunger that you guys have. Um, and this is always true. I don't know why this is. And I don't know if it's just this church. I've not really ever been around other young adult ministries. Um, but the things that happen among you, the spiritual growth, the steps that are taking, the chains that are being broken, the companionship you're experiencing, the unity, I mean, the volume of your worship with an acoustic guitar, no other instruments. I don't know if, Nate, if you're, like, impressed by that or that's normal. Like, that's a real thing, y'all. The things that happen among this group influence the larger Hope Community Church. You lead our church. And I don't say that to say you're future leaders of our church. You lead our church. You influence where we are going. You are pioneers on where we are going as a church. If there's going to be a movement that takes the Jesus that we worship in here to out there, it happens here. It starts here. And we mobilize. And we experience it. I'm loving the diversity I'm seeing in this room from cultural background. I don't know your actual stories, though. Who knows how different those stories are? You're leading our church. As we continue to grow and change and figure out what it means to be missionaries, to be missional, to be sent, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as we figure that out and continue to practice it, it it's cultivated in here. And we talked about it earlier. I don't know if somebody mentioned the scripture, but like, man, we were not created with the spirit of timidity or fear. Like, step into that stuff. Figure out ways. Kick down the walls to go figure out how to be generous to somebody. Kick down the walls to go and figure out how to serve somebody. Kick down the walls to look yourself in the mirror and figure out how to get past whatever the thing that is holding you down. Whatever that thing is that, is that you are anchored to, that fleshly, earthly nature that is keeping you in a place where you don't like yourself, Jesus loves you. He loves you in it. He loves you before it. He'll love you after it, but you still need to face it. And you can't do that alone. Um, I don't know if there's a plan for the end of this, so I'm going to ask you a question. Nate, you going to come up? Is that what that was? I want to pray for you. Um, and I because we're supposed to be devoted to prayer and all. Um, I want to pray for you, but I also want you to be prayed for. If there are things 
that have a hold of you, I want you to be prayed for. And I could pray with you. I'm certain that there are people in this room that will pray for you. Those things need to be brought to the Lord. So I would encourage you, if you want, you don't don't have to make a show of it, whatever. You have a friend in the room, lean over and be prayed for. Confess sin. Be vulnerable. Be honest. Be unified and be devoted to prayer. I'm going to ask you to do this if you want to. I'm going to ask you if you pray as a sign or stand as a sign of unity as I pray for you guys. Father, you are our God. And we are your people. Lord, the ground at the foot of the cross is completely level. God, I lift up these men and women to you as your children who you have known from their mother's womb, whether that was a good relationship or a hard relationship, you have wove them together and you have gifted them and equipped them and called them to you. God, and I just pray for a sense of security from you for those that feel like you might be distant. God, I pray for a sense of establishment and a strong foundation of who you say we are. God, that we would remove from our minds the voices that say we're not enough or we're not worthy or we're not loved. God, you would just pour over your mercy and your kindness and your affection and your grace and your patience over us. God, I pray for every man and woman in this room that they would know that you have gifted them to build up your kingdom. God, that while you are their Savior, you are their Lord. And I pray for just a spirit of humility and teachability, God, that we would come to your throne and come to your word, being willing to be transformed and see the parts of us that need to look more like you. God, I pray for the wounds and the wounded, those who have been hurt by others in the church, whether it's this one or a different one. God, I pray for grace to come flow out of them, for forgiveness. God, I pray that we would posture ourselves as a people who are devoted forgiving one another, who are devoted to seeking after you, who are devoted to hearing your voice, who are devoted to silencing the noise that is all around us, who are devoted to one another, who are devoted to confession, who are devoted to trusting one another. God, that we would be devoted to seeing people the way you see them, saying the things you would say. God, that we would serve we would just pour ourselves out in service the way Jesus did, sacrificially, fully and completely. God, that we would trust that your Holy Spirit is ministering to our hearts when we wake up, when we go to sleep. God, in moments of grief and pain, and there is a joy, God. So I pray, I pray for, God, I pray for a movement to come out of this. 
I pray for a movement to come out of this group of people, that there would be church planners and there'd be pastors, God. There'd be people who can translate scripture and get it to other people who never heard the message of Jesus. I pray that there would be a movement of leaders. I pray there'd be a movement of boyfriends and girlfriends, eventually husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, God, that would be devoted to submitting ourselves to your authority and to your lordship and doing things and putting off the impure and putting off the idols. God, I pray for a movement outside these walls that we would go into the different cubicles, God, serving those who do not know you. God, that we would sacrificially put off our own ambitions and our own agendas. We would put on the new self. And just in the same spirit that there is no Greek, there is no Jew, there is no circumcision or uncircumcision. God, there's nothing that can divide us because we are united by your blood and your love and your trust. And you have entrusted us with gifts and a responsibility to go and be. So God, we submit ourselves to you. We submit our worship to you. God, we thank you that you're a God who went to a cross and suffered death. But Lord, that you're a living God who defeated death. And in that, we rise with you. And we can leave this place full of your spirit. God, we pray for unity among your people. And I pray, God, that the world would know that we are your disciples by how we love one another. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name of victory and power. We say amen.